When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Denise Garland. In the program this week, tennis player Alan Barry becomes the second New Zealander to pull out of the Commonwealth Games. There's more than just security and accommodation to worry about in Delhi, and we take a look at some of New Zealand's strong medal contenders at the Games. The former All Black Andrew Mertens gives his thoughts on this year's All Black squad, and we hear how things are going for Kirk Penny at the San Antonio Spurs NBA camp. The New Zealand tennis player Alan Barry has become the second New Zealander to withdraw from the Commonwealth Games. Barry's decision to pull out for safety and health reasons follows the withdrawal of cyclist Greg Henderson last week. She told me she's never been to India before and the media reports of the potential risks in Delhi was too much of a concern. It was obviously a really, really difficult decision. Um, I thought about it for a really long time. Ever since I, I started hearing the things uh, through the media, I was just concerned for, for my health and my safety. Um, and, I, and I know a lot of athletes will, will be going, but for me it, it just felt like the right decision. You're also going to be playing uh, doubles with Marina Rakovic. Uh, do you feel like you're letting the team down a bit? Um, well, I've heard recently since then that she's, uh, she'll be playing mixed doubles with Ruben and I was really looking forward to playing with her, but I have to do what's, what's right for me and hopefully I'll get to play with her another time. Did you speak to her about your decision? Um, yeah, I contacted her and, and, and let, it, let her know. Is it a bit disappointing having to miss out on the Commonwealth Games? Oh, it's extremely disappointing. I mean, it would have been a fantastic event. Um, I really hope that everything goes smoothly over there and uh, you know, that I can maybe play in the future. Alan Barry talking about her recent Commonwealth Games withdrawal. Security and accommodation concerns have dominated the build-up to the Commonwealth Games, but Delhi poses plenty of other problems for athletes to overcome if they're to succeed. Heat, pollution, Delhi belly, dinghy fever and rats are part of daily life in Delhi. But as Stephen Hewson reports, the New Zealand team has a variety of plans to cope with the challenges ahead. With temperatures of up to 35 degrees expected, New Zealand athletes are hoping a recently developed ice drink will give them a medal-winning boost at the Commonwealth Games. Physiologist Paul Lawson, who's now working for the New Zealand Academy of Sport, developed the drink when he was working with the Australian Institute of Sport. We developed it over there in Australia prior to the Beijing Olympics, so I've kind of... Uh, the idea has a little bit been bought, I guess, by the New Zealand Academy of Sport, and uh, I've taken it on board and... um, I think the secret is somewhat out there because there's a lot of published uh, research on on slurries now and how effective they are. But uh, probably not all of the teams will have caught on quite yet. I think um, New Zealand will still be at an advantage over the majority of teams. Paul Lawson's also warning athletes of the pollution levels in Delhi, saying they'll be twice as high as at the Beijing Olympics. Lawson says the best option is for athletes to arrive as late as possible at India, 
and complete the build-ups in nearby countries such as Singapore to avoid any health problems. The defending 1500 metres champion Nick Willis is one who'll be making a flying visit, basing himself in Hong Kong and arriving in Delhi only a day before his event. Willis, though, is unconcerned at having little time to settle in. I've been there and done that enough times now with the World um, Championships were in Osaka, Japan, and then the Olympics were in, um, in Beijing, and in 04 they were in Athens when it was really hot as well. So I feel like I've had to deal with some of those more adverse conditions enough times now where I, I'm not too worried about it. Not all athletes, though, are making a flying visit to Delhi. The New Zealand netballers will be there for the duration of the Games, which only increases the likelihood of succumbing to health problems such as stomach bugs. The New Zealand team doctor, Lynn Coleman, says along with the usual immunisation recommendations, they've also suggested athletes be immunised against cholera, as this will help protect them against gastroenteritis. We have investigated the food sourcing company that's responsible for the food in the village and the venues, and they're the same people that did do Melbourne Commonwealth Games. So we're, we're comfortable that once the food has been procured and the handling is happening, we're, we're really comfortable with the quality of that within the village and the venues. We can't vouch for anything, obviously, outside the bubble, if you like, of the Commonwealth Games. So we're not wanting people to go out and just sample the local cuisine. The prolonged monsoon seasons also contributed to an outbreak of the mosquito-borne virus dengue fever, which Dr Coleman says is a major concern. From a precaution point of view, I mean, there's no medication and there's no vaccine that we can offer all we can do is, is look at environmental manipulation and pre- prevention. So what we have done is we're taking um, insect repellent and we're certainly recommending people take their own personal bottles of insect repellent. The chairman of the Games Organising Committee, Suresh Kalamadi, says health authorities have also taken steps to reduce the mosquito population. There is regular fumigation in all areas, in and around the venues. So we have taken a lot of steps and we have kept personal in charge of each area to see that it's clean and mosquito-free. Rats have also caused headaches for organisers. Equipped with 600 traps and 100 kilograms of rat poison, a 90-member team has been clearing the 11 venues of rats. Given the problems which have beset the Delhi Games, many athletes may consider a successful Games experience being one that sees them simply get to the start line of their event, let alone heading home with a medal. Stephen Hewson with that report. This is Extra Time, a web-only sports show from Radio New Zealand Sport. The Games open in Delhi early on Monday morning, and if the competitors can remain healthy, three team sports are among New Zealand's leading medal prospects. Rugby Sevens looks the best bet for gold, with netball and hockey more likely to have to settle for silver or bronze, as Murray Williams reports. Sevens wasn't added to the Games programme until 1998, and since winning in Kuala Lumpur, Gordon Titchens has coached New Zealand to successive gold medals in Manchester and Melbourne. At previous Games, he's been able to include stars such as Jonah Lomu and Christian Cullen, but the additions to this year's squad are fringe All Blacks, Zach Guilford, Ben Smith, Jose Aguirre, and a Melbourne medalist and former captain, Liam Messam, who's in for the injured Adam Thompson. 
Titchen says lack of time together compared with some other teams is a big challenge for New Zealand, whose Paul A opponents are Guyana and two of the less successful World Series regulars. Titchens is reluctant to write them off, though. You just don't know. With Scotland, they'll put a tough team together. Canada, you don't. In sevens rugby, that's it. In sevens, you know, they um, any team on their day will beat any team, and you know it's uh, a challenge for us. is one game at a time, and never look too far ahead. Gordon Titchens and his team leave for Dubai today to prepare for Delhi, where sevens competition starts on Monday week. The New Zealand netballers are also defending champions, and the Silver Ferns have played Australia in all three gold medal matches since 1998. Seven of the 12 players in the squad were in Melbourne, including goal shoot Aaron Van Dijk, mid-quarter Timipara George and defender Casey Williams, who's now the captain. Their recent three-test series suggests another tight battle, and the Silver Ferns coach, Ruth Aitken, concedes the Diamonds have the edge. We won gold in, in Melbourne, but they won the World Championships in 2007 and obviously um, took that last test series. So you would have to say that Australia were the favourites going in, but we certainly believe that we've got the goods to beat any teams, but it's about producing it out there. Ruth Aitken says England can't be discounted and nor can Jamaica. The Silver Ferns play Papua New Guinea on Monday night. The men's and women's hockey teams have world rankings of 7th and should be medal prospects, as most of the top teams aren't in the Commonwealth. Australia are the favourites for both gold medals, with New Zealand, England and India likely to battle for silver and bronze. The Blacksticks men have good records against Trinidad and Tobago, Canada and South Africa, but their vice-captain, Dean Cousins, says in recent years they've had a running battle with the fourth team in their pool, most recently at the Champions Trophy, where England won 4-3 to reach the final against Australia. So I expect that that'll be the game for us that would be one or two in the group, which could also be really important because it would be nice to win the group and then assume Australia wins and you avoid them in the semi-final and then hopefully meet them in the final. That would be the, the plan to beat everyone, and, and including England, with a 1-2 and then uh, to avoid Aussie in the semi and beat them in the final would be ideal. The Blacksticks women's captain Kayla Charlin says England will be their toughest pool opponent too and they've enjoyed the benefit of extra money in preparation for hosting the 2012 Olympics in London. They've been based together for a long time now so um, you know they've got full funding to, to have a program where they're set up and training throughout the day whereas we've got trainings at 5 in the morning and till 10 at night so you know it's a little bit different but I mean I mean, we've been working with it pretty well in these last few weeks and you know putting in the hard workers I'm going to The Blacksticks women start against Wales on Monday and the men begin the next day against Trinidad and Tobago. Murray Williams reporting. New Zealand will have two track and field gold medal champions defending their Commonwealth titles in Delhi. Shot putter Valerie Adams and middle distance runner Nick Willis both won gold in Melbourne four years ago. Before that, the last time New Zealand won two athletics gold medals at the same Games was in Brisbane in 1982. But as Barry Guy reports, they may struggle to do it again in Delhi. If anyone is close to what can be described as a certain thing in sport, it's Valerie Adams in the shot put ring. The world and Olympic champion is returning to her best after changing her technique under a new coach. This year's rankings has her three metres ahead of her nearest Commonwealth rival. So without trying to jinx anything, we should be able to bank on her. She says she's not going to Delhi just to get another gold medal. She wants to win in style. I definitely want to, want, want to throw a big throw there and throw well. I don't want to go and be complacent and, and just rely on a 19.5 metre throw to win. I really, really want to you know, be the one to have a big throw. You know, Season's best PB, I'll be 
over the moon with that. I mean, and also to break the championship record. I mean, that, that's my goal. Valerie Adams set that record in Melbourne, where her winning throw was 19.66 metres. Nick Willis may be the Olympic silver medalist, but he's flying under the radar this year because of injury. And realistically, the 1500 metre defending champion is probably short of his best. Willis had 10 weeks off after a knee operation at the end of March and says he's only really been training properly for the past three months. While he's missed the majority of the season, he says at least he'll be fresh in Delhi, while many of his competitors will be trying to hold their form after a long season. You don't want to normally be racing 10 to 12 times and then hanging on until October. That's a very, very late um, championship. So I don't know anyone who's ever raced in October before and run close, anywhere near their best. So um, I think this may turn out to be a blessing in disguise in terms of how I can... Um, perform in Delhi. Uh, ideally, I would have liked to have improved my world ranking and all of the likes of that, but this, just specifically for my odds in Delhi, I think, if anything, it's probably enhanced them rather than um, taken away from them. Willis would have liked more New Zealanders participating because of the number of top athletes pulling out and many of the overseas stars at the end of their season. He felt medals were up for grabs. Athletics New Zealand's high-performance manager Kevin Ankrum says three medals would be good for them. He says it's unfortunate the selection policy didn't allow them to have more younger athletes who could use the Commonwealth Games as a stepping stone to bigger things. Globally, is it the toughest meet in the world? No. I still think your Olympics and world champs are going to be your toughest events, and then you're looking at your Commonwealth and your World University Games. But it still is a very good meet, and to me... For our sport, it's still a very good development meet if your end goal is the Olympic Games. One of those young athletes that did make the squad is the 19-year-old high jumper Elizabeth Lamb, whose main aim was the World Junior Championships this year. She has a personal best of 1.85 metres, well below her rivals. But in saying that, um, high jump is not exactly a a sport where people usually PB at in big major meets because there's obviously mental factors um, as well as physical so I'm just going to go out there and do the best that I can and if that gets me something then it does and if it doesn't then I can say I went there and tried my best. Elizabeth Lamb. Javelin thrower Stuart Farquhar is a medal prospect. He's the leading Commonwealth athlete this year with a personal best throw of 85.35 in Hamilton in February. Something near that should get him on the podium. Multi-eventers Brent Newdick and Rebecca Wardell, middle-distance runner Nicky Hamblin, and former world champion discus thrower Beatrice Farmawina are also contenders. That was Barry Guy reporting. And this is Extra Time, a web-only sports show from Radio New Zealand Sport. The former all-black first five, Andrew Mertens, is still playing club rugby. He's with the French third division side, Bézier. The 37-year-old still keeps an eye on the game in New Zealand and in the second part of Barry Guy's interview with him, we hear what Mertens thinks about this year's all-black side that went through the Tri-Nations unbeaten. I think the great thing is that they're not necessarily doing anything special in terms of anything intricate, but their, their skill level is so high and their level of physicality is so high. I know people say, oh, you don't want to peak too early and stuff with the World Cup round the corner, but... I don't think necessarily it's a matter of peaking too early. I just think that they're executing everything really, really well. You know, the, the simple things. And the same thing last year when they came to came and beat France up in Marseille and, and smashed them, and which was a hell of a victory. Um, 
because we don't have a good history at Marseille, but I, I just remember saying to a couple of people then, I just thought there wasn't one single pass that went sort of half behind the guy and, and slowed slowed the movement up, you know, it was everything was very accurate um, and there was always support there and um, uh, yeah, I think it's just, just marvellous that, um, that they're playing like that, but it, but playing so simply and, and you know, it's it's putting the acid on defences to come up with something because at the end of the day, if you're reacting to what's going on in front of you, then and, and if you keep that ability to react, it doesn't matter what the opposition's doing, you, you're going to hopefully find a find a hole. And if you've got this skill level to to execute to get the ball in the right spot at the right time, then you're going to be pretty bloody hard to stop, no matter no matter how much analysing of you other teams do. So no, I think it's it's great, and I think it's uh, I think they've been able to without using the, the dirty word from a few years back, rotation. I, I think they've been able to uh, expand the number of guys in the squad with experience, but at the same time keep keep combinations going. So, um, And, you know, you look at Colin Slade getting on the other day, which uh, which I enjoyed seeing, and Aaron Cruden, I thought, had a good game as well. A tough first 60 minutes for the All Blacks because the Australians had everything to play for, but I think Cruden did well, and I think it was nice to see Colin Slade get on as well. So, you know, they've got guys like that who are... Um, getting exposure at that level as well, and um, you know, I think obviously they're looking bloody good, and they've still got a lot of time. I mean, there'll still be a wee bit of experimenting, I guess, on the Northern Tour in, in November. Um, but there's not a lot of uh, substitute for it, for confidence a lot of the time as well. So, you know, it's 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 just good to see that without doing anything too special, they've just executed really well and smashed South Africa and Australia. Goodness knows how many times now. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to watch. Is there an issue at backup for Dan Carter at first five? I mean, having watched that game, I mean, what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I, I think the only the only reason people think there might be an issue is because Carter's head and shoulders above everyone in the world, um, and I think no matter who you put in there, you'd 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 feel like you were getting shortchanged. Um, you know, Mornay Staines played a lot of games for South Africa now and played well and, and goal kicked really well. I think if you put put him in there as a backup for Carter, you'd be disappointed. Um, I, I think that's the thing, I, 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 and I just think we, we can't compare whoever plays at 10 to, to Dan Carter. Um, I think Cruden is, is a very, very capable footballer at, at international level, and he's going to get better and better the more he's exposed to it. I think Colin Slade's shown a lot of promise, uh, both at fullback and, and at first five, and I think probably the two roles help one another out a little bit in terms of reading of the game and stuff. Um, and the fact that he's got the pace to be able to play fullback is a bonus too. So, um, you know, I think I think those guys, and I think, you know, Stephen Donald obviously suffered by comparisons to Carter as well. But uh, I think he's a he's a very um, capable guy in terms of uh, internationals as well. You know, he's he's a tough guy, and I, I just think that the, the problem is always going to be that that they're being compared to um, the incumbent, and when it's Dan Carter, I think that that's really difficult. So. Um, you know, losing a Carter or a McCaw, obviously everyone talks about it. If we don't have Carter and we don't have McCaw, leaves a huge hole, and it would leave a hole in any team. You could put a probably a, an all-time greatest 15 together, and, and, and if Carter and McCaw were injured, it would probably be a bit of a battle for them. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that, that's why people think, you know, think in terms of it being an issue. But uh, for me, I don't think so. I think um, what this year has shown with the quality of rugby throughout all 15 guys who are on the field is they're all able to step up and make decisions at the time and, and like you say, like you said before that with their skill level and, and whatnot, the passing the forwards and, and that sort of thing I, I think I'd be confident in any of those guys reading what's in front of them and, and making decisions based on that and, and it hasn't been just just Carter this year, I mean uh, you know, obviously he's there to to, you know 
perform brilliance when needed and, and, and other than that just keep on ticking over like, like he does and uh, you know he's done that but I think like I said I think the, the, the rest of the team have showed that they're um, able to play at a, at a higher level of rugby and high intensity of rugby without waiting for a carter to, to necessarily lead them and I think a lot of that comes back down to the coaching panel as well um, and I, I remember saying it with Wayne Smith's first time around at coaching that when when he finished in 2001 it was such a hell of a shame because there were a lot of guys in the team I think at that time who were just starting to realise what Smithy was talking about in terms of the, the way to play the game and the way to read the game and I think they were just starting to learn and I look at a guy like Ron Cribb who had you know a couple of seasons with us at the Crusaders and then the All Blacks was really at that stage starting to blossom under a guy like Wayne Smith and um, so I think the, the the style of rugby or the, the skills, the improvement and, and reading of the game is, is you've got to give a lot of credit to the coaching trio at the moment as well. And, um, it's good to see that all the all the talk previously about oh we, that we shouldn't have kept them has sort of largely disappeared. So that's nice. Uh, what needs to be achieved perhaps on the end of year tour? Do you give the likes of the Slades and Crudens perhaps uh, more time? I think so. I haven't actually seen the schedule, so I don't know if there are midweek games. I assume there aren't. They seem no. to die a fairly horrific death. So. Um, that's a shame. I, I think you've got to. I think uh, it's a different style of rugby up here. It's, I don't. I don't think it's a. It's a worse style of rugby in the northern hemisphere, but it is slightly different. And I think uh, for a team to do well in the World Cup is going to have to be able to adapt week to week to different strengths of different teams. And I think when you when you get away from the style of rugby that the southern hemisphere plays and play against, say, England or France or whatever, they they can play different types of games. And I think that's, that's very, very important so that, um, you know, Carter and McCaw and guys like that have played enough tests to, to be able to adapt. And I think it's, it's up to the other guys coming through who have, who have uh, excelled in Super 14 and, and, and largely in Southern Hemisphere rugby. They have to learn, um, I guess, to adapt on the field to, to different styles of, of, um, of opponents and, and different styles of games. So, uh, yeah, I think it is an important time to... To, to have guys like that, but I, I think I think they they obviously been a little bit better at managing that in terms of having you know three or four guys at any one time and, and keeping the, the the bulk of the team intact. And I think that's what people see as as being a little more consistent as well. So um, you know it takes it takes a little bit of time, I guess, to work out. And, and as I'm sure the, the coaching trio will, uh, will say, they're, they're learning as well all the time. And that's that's the beauty of rugby and, and probably of sport. You you're learning, you're constantly evolving. So I think that's a part of it as well. Just you know, not not uh, changing too many guys in the team, keeping certain combinations there, and, and knowing when to when to put slightly uh, more green guys in to, to to get their experience. But it is important they're going to have to do it. Former All Black first five Andrew Mertens talking to Barry Guy. It's been a week since the New Zealand basketballer Kirk Penny flew to the US to join the San Antonio Spurs at a veterans NBA training camp. The 29-year-old was invited by the NBA club to try out for one of their remaining roster spots for the upcoming season, following his impressive performance at the recent World Championships. Joe Porter asked Penny about the camp so far and how he rates his chances of coming out of it with a place in the squad. I'm a shooting guard, but I can also slide the three. I think you're obviously a little deceptive in terms of your strength. I've probably always been heavier than people thought I am. So I'm weighing in about you know, 216, 218 right now pounds, which is around 98, 99 kgs. Um, but shooting guard is probably where I'd fit in here or 
or maybe just spotting up in the corner and staying out of the way while Tim Duncan goes to work. <laughs> How you sort of rate yourself against some of the other guys there that are fighting for that shooting guard spot? I mean, in terms of your speed, your shooting ability, your passing ability compared to some of the other guys? Oh, yeah, I know I'm right here. I know I'm very much at this level. It's just being able to, you know, bring it every day and show that. And, yeah, I think everyone here believes in themselves like I do. And it's a trial format for me and for the other guys who aren't guaranteed. So, you know, you're just trying to prove that you can do what you believe you can do. Would it be fair to say that consistent performances would be better than having you know, a one-off game where you blow the score sheet? On this team, yeah, I think so. Uh, this is an incredibly good franchise, just seeing how well-organised they are. It's been pretty special to come here and be a part of this in comparison to my other NBA experiences because you've got just a, a wonderful group of guys and a lot of international guys, actually. A lot of guys I've played against before, which is pretty neat just to share stories. And then a coaching staff that uh, that actually work very hard as well. Just watching them doing practice, the assistant coaches in particular, uh, busting their tail out there. And I think as a result, the players work very hard too. So it's a, it's a good um, mix of players and coaches and front office people I think which which is why this is looked upon as such a good franchise or in a very well organized franchise and compared to the world champs just recently how are you finding the change in style of play are they scoring more from inside in these NBA trials than they possibly were over in Europe yeah, it's very different, man. Like this is a team that has a certain system that you're trying to learn and then show what you can do within that system. So that's totally different to me going with my New Zealand teammates to the World Championships and all of us having particular roles. It's just a completely different um, mindset in a lot of ways, and a different. It's a different scenario, you know. It's not about winning ball games yet. It's just about learning and and competing in every drill, every defensive drill, every rebounding. Drill drill and then you go on to do weights and, and recovery and your day's over. So it's hard to compare this to the World Championships until we really get into games because then it's like all right it's a game it's, you know 48 minutes and then we'll, we'll see how the comparisons lie. Are you familiar with you know this side of, sort of camp have you been to a camp like this before? I mean, I've done this once before, and it was seven years ago with the Timberwolves. I went to their veterans camp. You know, I was very close to making that team, but I didn't. And since then, they've really just been little call-ups where you don't ever learn the system or get to know the players. They're so brief. So that's what, what I'm really enjoying about this is giving it a really good shot, getting to know the system, the, the guys, the coaches, the managers, the video coordinators, like everyone, and just trying to provide myself with the best opportunity I possibly could rather than coming into a situation where you're filling in for an injury, he gets healthy and you're gone. Kirk Penny speaking to Joe Porter. And that's extra time for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news on our website, Well, we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next Friday. I'm Denise Garland. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.